Hello, welcome to Impact the World. And this is the last show of season one. And I cannot believe this is our 150th show that we are actually recording today. It's so funny because when I first started this show, it was just a little seed of an idea and I didn't even really know how we would bring the shows to the world. So for today's episode, my team who helped me produce this show have come up with a series of questions they asked me to answer about the making of the show and about the journey of the show. So this one is going to be of, I guess, interest to those of you who have watched many of the episodes. If you've been with us since the beginning, thank you so much. And it really makes us happy to know that you're enjoying what we do here uh, because it really is a labor of love for us. And we do it in the hope that it will inspire you or enrich your life or give you a moment of connection that is perhaps missing that day or needed that day. So it means a lot to us to hear, hear what we hear from you all in the reviews and the comments. So thank you for being with us all of this time. We're going to take a short hiatus before we come back with season two. Uh, we have some really good ideas for season two and uh, a slight adjustment to a few things, but we fully intend to be bringing you more of the same, which is hopefully connected conversations with people who might inspire you to do your thing in the world or to show up differently in the world or just to appreciate other people who perhaps like yourself want to see the world improve and become a better place. That's always been the ethos. So it's been a delight to speak to so many people over this last almost three years now since we started taping the first show. Uh, so I'm going to dive into some of the questions that my team have given me and uh, answer as candidly as I can about uh, the why and the how of Impact the World, the podcast. So the first question I have here is, why did I decide to do the podcast? I had a vision of doing it, and it would have been early 2019, and I wanted to have conscious conversations with people who worked in the same field as me, so spirituality and self-growth, but also people who were doing inspiring things in the world that were perhaps a little more on the fringe. My big passion was really to speak to creators about what they were creating and why, but especially what they'd either had to overcome or move through in order to do it. So I'm a lifelong creator and I've created since I was little and I'm still creating today. And the creative journey is so important for all of us to give us a sense of purpose, whether we're sitting at home writing a poem that no one's ever going to read or whether we are actually out there creating things in the world for others. I believe it's such a fundamental part of who we are as a soul and as a human. And I'm always a big fan of hearing the behind the scenes of somebody's journey. And also around the same time, in 2017 and 2018, I'd been doing a lot of channeling and channeled events where the message would come through constantly that we're all needed and that now is our time. So I know for me, I always felt more emboldened to do my own work by hearing from people I either admired or whose work I liked 
about their challenges more than their achievements and about what they had to overcome. It always humanized the process for me. And I'm also very aware that in the spiritual field, uh, there can be a lot of projection on the spiritual teacher or the author. And for me, as someone who has always walked a very spiritual and a very human path and felt connected to both, I wanted to hopefully have human conversations with uh, some of the people in the field that you either may not have heard them, topics they may not have spoken about or a connection they may not have perhaps had in other interviews or conversations. That was my goal and my ethos. But I'll be honest, uh, we started filming them nine months before I knew we could deliver them because at the time my team was smaller. Uh, we had a full slate and this was something I was funding myself. There's no sponsor, there's no outside company. And so we had to wait about eight months to have the bandwidth and the team members. And also uh, my co-producer for the show, Wendy Cohen, came into our company that year. And once Wendy arrived, it was clear, ah, great, Wendy could co-produce the show with me. And that's how we as a team can 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 allow this to happen. So uh, we started building it before we knew how to put it out into the world, which I always think is an important thing to remember. You don't always need to know how your idea is going to get out there, but start chipping away at it and you never know how it might how it might appear. So the show is about the creator's journey. And of course, it has been a typical creator's journey all the way through. So Do I have a favorite moment or moments from season one? Well, many. It, it's actually hard to pick a favorite moment. I mean, there have been many moments on camera that have been favorites. And, and it was always when the person I was speaking to felt comfortable enough or chose to be completely unfiltered and would say things that were energetically disarming. What I mean by that is, you know, when someone's speaking and you have that heart moment or uh, they really deeply affect you. I would have many, many moments like that with our guests. And some of them really surprised me. They would say things that I wasn't expecting them to say. Some of them would tell me things that had just recently happened in their life that were huge things that they perhaps had never publicly spoken about before. So the intimacy has always been my favorite with the show when that can be achieved um, and when and when that chemistry between me and the guest happened or when the guest just came willing to be open and have a really open, honest, natural conversation. Those are my favorite moments. And um, there have also been some favorite moments off camera with people that I've got to meet that I didn't know, perhaps I knew of their work and some of them have become good friends uh, as a result of me meeting them for a conversation to highlight their work. So yeah, many, many favorite moments. But for me, just a few examples. When I spoke to Miten and he was sharing the story about having open heart surgery and what that had done to him and for him about his presence. And I literally just felt my own heart opening. Having, um, Mrs. Kasha Davis on the show, um, a wonderful drag artist and creator, and just wanting to um, have 
do something a little different. And because Mrs. Kasha Davis is, is all about, yes, entertainment and humor, but also love and the good in the world. So I think I've always been proud when we've been able to do something a little different, a little off-piste, um, but many, many favorite moments with, with many, many different people. How do you prepare for the interviews? I learned a really good lesson about preparing early on. So for me, I do as much preparation as I need to in order to feel ready to have the conversation, but I do no more. I learned a great lesson with my first guest. It was a very bold move to ask Regina Meredith to be my first guest. Regina, to me, is a master interviewer. She's incredible with her research and meticulous. I've been interviewed by Regina many times and I've seen her interview many times. So I remember with Regina, because it was her and because it was my first one and I was slightly out of my comfort zone, I overprepared. So I went through her book and I pulled quotes and all kinds of stuff. And um, what I learned through overpreparing was, in a way, the amount of research I had done had limited me from somewhat being present to the conversation and picking up on moments that I wanted to pick up on. Conversely, I once had a guest that I was underprepared for, and they were the kind of guest who answers in very short answers. Uh, you would ask them something and they would give me like one sentence back. So basically, you know, an interview is a bit like tennis. Uh, you want to serve a ball across the court and you want them to hit it back and you want to get like a nice balance going. And most guests will be very candid and will chat and you really just have to cue them up. I mean, some guests I've maybe only had to ask six questions in an hour for and they, they're very verbose and they just go with it. But this one guest I had, <laughs> no, 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 short answers, lots of short answers. So I started to run out of questions because this wasn't someone I really knew that well. And it was clear that they had a, a structured way of answering that was different to my kind of conversation. So preparing for me is, is a balance. If I don't know the guests very well, I make sure I know enough things about their key points that I can always lean on them if the interview is uh, less flowing than I might like it to be. Um, but equally, I've found that if I overprepare, it doesn't make me present. And if I really listen to not only what the guest is saying, but I always feel a sense of the audience in much the same way if I'm delivering an energy update um, or I'm on camera teaching. Intuitively, I can feel there is an energy field of the audience and the listener. And so my job in the conversations is to position myself between the guest and the audience and try and listen with the audience's ear and be the facilitator between the audience and the guest. So the right amount of preparation is enough that I know that if the guest is not very talkative, I'm going to be able to fill 45 minutes or guide us through 45 minutes plus. Um, and too much will, will get me bogged down in details I don't need to go hunting for. The best kinds of conversations are the ones where the things I've prepared are just completely unnecessary. But having a certain amount of preparation under your belt is important to serve both the guest and the audience.
This is a question that my team gave me that's so interesting. It's a great question, but it's one that I realized I don't have a very good answer for, which is why I'm answering it. Who are your dream guests? If you'd have asked me that three years ago, I would have had some names for you, um, but it would have been for the wrong reasons. So for example, I three years ago, I, I remember at the very beginning, um, names like Elizabeth Gilbert and Russell Brand, both people I love for different reasons, would have been wonderful show guests. And the truth of those guests, of course, is they are very booked up. You know, they're very popular. They're out there on lots of podcasts. But what I've come to understand is that I don't really have dream guests anymore. I have more of a sense of what the show needs. So for example, if we aren't covering a certain area in the show, I'm more interested in finding the right people that will bring that energy into the show. Because what I also realized is a lot of the times with that dream guest question, sometimes it's just an excuse for me to meet them. So uh, I would actually love to have dinner with Russell Brand or with Elizabeth Gilbert. Interviewing them is, is a different thing. But I think my dream guests for the show going forward are the kind of guest who is naturally inspiring when you listen to them, no matter what they're doing or no matter how many people they've reached or haven't reached, just somebody that's really inspiring with their story and what they're doing. So my dream guests are no longer actual people. My dream guest is more like a baseline ethos that I hope that to the best of my ability, I can facilitate a connection with this person that will translate to the audience that will leave the audience inspired. So I, I know it sounds really cheesy, but as I'm, this is hitting me as I'm, as I'm thinking it through my dream guest is actually the audience. Cause in a way I feel like my main focus has to be serving the listener or the viewer. And of course, not every listener or viewer is going to like my guests, my way of interviewing. Uh, I know some people have very strong opinions about how long they like a podcast to be. There are some people who like the 30 minute podcast. There are many podcasts out there that do like two hours. Our sweet spot is around an hour. So um, you're never going to please everybody. But my my dream guest is the audience, actually. Has doing the podcast changed you in any way? If so, how? Yes, uh, many ways. I think just on a completely selfish level, the podcast allowed me to continue to serve the work mission I have without having to be the person doing all the talking or uh, tuning into my intuition or tuning into collective energy it really allowed me to continue to serve, but brought balance to me as well, because essentially I really, my, my most important job is listening and listening to hear what the guest is saying and then to guide the conversation in a new direction. So on a selfish level, um, it changed me in that it allowed me to find a new way to serve the same mission I have, but without having to be the person at the front uh, doing the talking or being the conduit for what might be needed to said. So that was delightful. Um, it has definitely changed me. I'll tell you what, it, I won't even say it's changed me. It's confirmed something beautiful for me personally that I hope 
translates to all of you as well. We are all so similar in so many ways. I'm often speaking to people who have created something in the world or are creating a mission or have authored something. And yet the human experience that we all have around fear of putting ourselves out there, fear of being judged, fear of will it be good enough. It's not that we all feel the same way about each of those areas, but we all have something that we have to overcome when we are wanting to connect with the world, which to me is impacting the world. You know, you have an impact on an individual in your life when you say something, when you show up, when you walk into a room. It doesn't always have to be that you're a leader or somebody who's standing on a podium doing something for a large group. So I think it's been beautiful to meet so many people, many of whom I had been aware of for years but had never met personally, and to hear their behind the scenes. I think it has perhaps made me deepen my kindness towards myself and towards all of us around what we have to go through to show up in the world and how it's not always easy. And some days it's harder than others. But I think it reminds me of the power of community. One of the reasons I love listening to uh, certain podcasts or one of the reasons I love reading memoirs is because I'm very interested in the human journey that we have and, and the similarities and the differences in that. So I think it's changed me to get to be the first person apart from Wendy, who co-produces the show with me, to hear these conversations and to be part of these conversations. And I feel like all of the guests have had an impact on me or, an, or a little imprint on me. Um, of course, some more than others. Um, so yeah, it, it's taught me a lot. And also learning, learning how to listen in a different way. And it's taught me a lot structurally too. So... How did the show change because of pandemic or lockdown? Well, um, interestingly, I was adamant that we were never going to do Zoom um, because I thought, wouldn't it be nice to be able to produce a show where you're in a room with somebody and that creates a different kind of connection? So we started filming in April 2019. We launched the show in January 2020. And as we all know, uh, three and a half months later, the world shut down. The gift of that happening, there would have been people I could never have connected with. They weren't going to come through uh, just outside Los Angeles where we, where we were based. So they would never have been on the show. So in a way, having to do Zoom for a while was a gift because it opened up the ethos of the show, which is we'll do some remote and when we can get back to being in person we'll do the in-person ones so I would say that actually for us it increased connection in ways that was unexpected and brilliant so I'm kind of glad it happened for that reason for the show because we benefited and so I feel to the audience of the show because of the people I was able to connect with all over the world and in completely different places What do I hope the audience takes away? I think I touched on that a little at the beginning, but it, I, I hope more than anything that 
inspiration or connection that you then run with in your own life. Whether it's a feeling that then permeates through your day and lifts you up or raises your vibration, or whether it's that you hear someone, and I've we've seen many emails attesting to this, which makes us very happy. You hear someone on the show who has an idea that's similar to yours, or perhaps your idea isn't the same as theirs, but hearing that they did it, hearing that they went through with it, hearing that they had some of the fears that you're also carrying and realizing that those fears don't need to stop you. They'll be there and they'll be part of the process, but that you can actually create these things in the world yourself. So I'm hoping, my hope is always that when when you watch or listen to the show, you see yourself or you see or hear things that you need to allow yourself to have a more expressed life in the world, however that looks and whatever form that takes. So ultimately, I wanted the show to be a place of connection and a force for connection, which is also why I wanted to make sure I had intimate conversations with people and not, you know, sometimes you see very scripted, staged or marketed interviews that are really all about the person's product or book. Um, and having been in the interview guest seat many times, I've also been privy to when I only a couple of times have I been asked to give my own questions for an interview. And I now won't do that. Um, because I, I don't really want to be interviewed by someone who's just reading off a sheet, I, I would rather have a connection with someone and let them come up with their own questions. No disrespect to those who do that. It's just not for me. So I think that level of connection is what I'm hoping people take away from the show and feeling connected either to what a person is talking about and their topic or the person themselves in a way that can enhance your life. What matters most when curating guests and shows? Well, you know, we do our best to be as diverse in all ways as we can. And I think we're always mindful that we can always do better with that. You know, there are certain, certain guests and types of show we try to curate that it's harder to curate than we would like. Um, so I think for us as an experience behind the scenes with the show, we're always trying to improve the range of guests that we have and the range of areas that we cover, but it's not always easy and it doesn't always flow. Um, I would say that the thing I've learned and, and I think Wendy would say the same thing. It's really important to, to know when it's not going to go well. So I'll give you an example. There are a few guests I've had who, just as I've been very pleasantly surprised by how open most of my guests are willing to be, there have been a few that have surprised me where um, they they perhaps were a bit more guarded or a bit more um, reserved about certain things than I thought they were going to be. And that's only a handful, but it, it took me by surprise when it happened. Um, nothing wrong with that either, because that's just a mirror of life. So I always think that whatever happens on the show is is a perfect mirror of life. But I think what I what I learned both through that process and also just through following intuition is 
sometimes show guests will completely surprise you, often in the most delightful way, and it will go way better than I even hoped it might. And then other times it's really important to trust the inner nerve body. There have been a couple of guests that have come up that have been a no for the show. And logically it hasn't made sense. Like, you know, in your mind, you're like, well, they're very popular. Um, they they clearly are doing good work in the world, but for for whatever reason, it's like, no, they're not our guests. It's not the right it's not the right fit for various reasons. And so, again, I think Wendy and I have both, we have many conversations about guest lists and possible guests. And we're always trying to make sure that we don't prioritize our own feelings about, oh, we'd love to have this person on, but we won't have that person on if it's not good for the show in that period of time, because we need to show some other things. But equally, there have been some other people that have been presented to us and even offered to us where it hasn't quite felt right. So I think the most important thing when curating the guests and the shows is you have to feel some level of yes in your body or more than that, just pay attention when you feel a no. And even if it's nonsensical, trust it. Because if you're generally open, which we are, when someone comes along that isn't quite right for whatever reason, you don't have to overthink it. And you, you certainly don't have to make it about them. You just have to make it about chemistry and go, oh, no, this is okay. This isn't for us. Sure, it might be good for, you know, the, the viewers or or even, um, you know, might be very popular, but it's it doesn't matter. It's not for us. So we try not to be swayed by external factors and really trust our bodies when it comes to lining people up. The last question I have here is any sneak peeks inside season two? Well, I can tell you this, uh, Mr. Stephen Washington, who um, I have the good fortune to be married to and who was a guest in season one, he will be coming up in season two because he has a book coming out in November. So I asked him to come and talk to me about that. So he will be uh, a season two guest. We have some great guests coming up and at the moment, we're going to take a break so that we can step back and really think differently about season two, not to change the ethos of the show and not necessarily to change the direction of the show. But when you take a break from something, it gives you a chance to catch your breath, reflect and allow something new to come in. So part of the reason we're taking the break is so that we can give the show some space and see what it might need next. And we just want to say thank you so much to all of you for uh, for being a part of the show every week or as often as you are. And um, it's been a real delight and pleasure. And like I said, a real labor of love to create this show every single week. Um, but it is, it's really nice to sit here now three years later, three years, two months later, and to realize, wow, we did 150 shows. Um, and here we are. So I know me and my team feel enriched by the experience. And even if you've only watched a couple of episodes and feel, felt enriched by it, that is what makes it worth it to us. So uh, we will see you in season two. Lots of love. Thank you for tuning in and being here as part of Impact the World. As we continue to navigate these very changing times on Earth, I'm really happy to be bringing back transmissions. 
This is my summer channeled online experience, now in its third year. Every year is unique, just as the last few years have brought radical changes to all of our lives. This year, the theme is Elevate Your Vibration. My guides have given me four sets of themes which they want to deliver across four live broadcasts. The beauty of being live together for each broadcast is I get to be in person with your community energy, but if you can't make it live, don't worry. Everything will be video replayed, archived, and you'll have lifetime access to the material. The themes we will be looking at each week are allowing abundance and presence into and through you, cultivating joy, love, and peace, and creating with those in the world. Integrating new levels of clarity, awareness, and healing with ease. And finally, rising into your highest purpose on earth. You can experience it as a healing, a shift, an inspiration, and many of our past participants have talked about the impact it has had on their lives and their year ahead. To support you through the journey of the course, you will have access to a private community forum away from social media so you can share with other participants. There will be written transcripts of each broadcast that will accompany the replays. Stephen Washington will be bringing a special Qigong sequence to the course. We have a series of video and audio integration support tools from me and members of my team. And lastly, a 10-track downloadable compilation music album from artists at Golden World Music. To check out more details about this experience and to see if it's for you, you can visit my website leeharrisenergy.com or use the link underneath this video. If it resonates with you, we would love to welcome you to join us for Transmissions 2022.